Welcome to the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast powered by Hiscox. I'm your host, Sanjay Parekh. Throughout my career, I've had side hustles, some of which have turned into real businesses. But first and foremost, I'm a serial technology entrepreneur. In the creator space, we hear plenty of advice on how to hustle harder and why you can sleep when you're dead. On this show, we ask new questions in hopes of getting new answers. Questions like, how can small businesses work smarter? How do you achieve balance between work and family? How can we redefine success in our businesses so that we don't burn out after year three? Every week, I sit down with business founders at various stages of their side hustle to small business journey. These entrepreneurs are pushing the envelope while keeping their values. Keep listening for conversation, context, and camaraderie. Today's guest is Dr. Shanika McKeever, the founder and CEO of the McKeever Group Creative Company, an agency that provides organizations with creative business solutions, including leadership development, nonprofit management, and entrepreneurial solutions. Shanika is joining us from High Point, North Carolina. Shanika, welcome to the show. Hey, Sanjay. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you on because I love talking about leadership and, and you know figuring out how people should actually lead organizations. But before we get into all of that, I'd love for you to give us like a minute or two about your background and how you got to where you are right now. Sure. So I am Dr. Shanika McKeever, the Chief Creative Officer of the McKeever Group Creative Company. And I would say I have been in this space for a little over a year. I took my leap of faith into full-time entrepreneurship on June 24th. And so my background that kind of led me here was just having, you know, the experience of being in philanthropy for over 15 years, working in the grant-making space, working in the fiduciary and banking side of that business, and then moving over to the fundraising side gave me a lot of transferable skills in business and entrepreneurship. And then having opportunity to go back get a PhD in leadership studies my entrepreneur my excuse me my research focused on how do women entrepreneurs develop as adaptive leaders and that's where I kind of found my passion in leadership um, developing disadvantaged populations like women and people of color and really helping them utilize their lived experience and how they see themselves as leaders and so that I have the research that shows these services are needed so that's where a lot of my business stems from is trying to respond and create safe spaces for women and people that look like me to be able to kind of, you know, show up as their most authentic self and in purpose. And so that's kind of how I started my business. It started out as a side hustle that I was doing for a few years while I was working full time and then just kind of, you know, got into a space of where I really thought I was going to transition to a learning and development career. And it just didn't happen like that. And so after being a little frustrated with the role that I was in and the person mm -hmm. I was reporting to, I was like, you know what, we're just going <laughs> to see how this works. And sometimes you, that leap or that bet on yourself is the biggest risk that you take, but it's the one that's most well worth it. So here I am a year and about a month and a half later. <laughs> yeah. So what's funny about your story is it's, you did all of this schooling to learn about entrepreneurship and then ended up having to use it basically on yourself to launch your own thing. And so I love that. W was this your first time uh, starting a company on your own? Did you do anything when you were younger, like side hustles? Like yes. entrepreneurship? <laughs> okay. Tell me about them. Sure. So I was the side hustle queen. And a fun fact for me is I actually went back to school to get the PhD to be able to kind of organize my thoughts to do the work that I'm doing now. Like I never really had intentions on going into, kind of into that tenure track academia space, but really wanted to kind of be like, okay, how do I be an entrepreneur? How do I do these things? But what I would say kind of my younger moments, my mom has always, my mom's a crafter. So we always made things coming up and her and her girlfriends had their side hustles and they would go to these craft 
festivals. So growing up, I was just always making something with my hands. So one of my first hot hustles was, I don't know, us millennials, we used to have these bandanas we used to wear back in the day. And Uh so my mom taught me how to sew. I knew how to sew. And so I had a sewing machine. And so I started hustling these little bandanas that you tie on your hair to like all of my friends and the people that I went to church with. Or I would sell like cookies and cakes to like my um, siblings because I love to bake. Um, So that's kind of where some of it's some of my initial side hustles started. And then as I went into, you know, adulthood, I was always, you know, making something on the side for someone, some type of handmade item. And then kind of when I was working on my PhD program, I knew that I wanted to start a business, but I didn't have the capacity to like launch my consulting firm. And so I loved making things that was kind of like my stress reliever. And I had kind of taught myself how to make these beautiful satin bonnets. And so I kind of launched my side hustle with my handmade products business in 2017, because I was, that was my stress relief from my PhD, but it also gave me a way to make a few dollars on the side. So I kind of started hustling on bonnets and then stationery. And that led to me and my sister doing um, a t-shirt business. And now I do a little bit of everything in addition to my actual consulting firm. And so, yeah, I would I guess I'm a serial entrepreneur in that um, aspect, but did a lot of sole proprietorship things um, in my younger years or people, you know, just paying me off to the side to do their resume or write a paper or, you know, those type things. Right. So I think it's something that's always been in me that yeah. I just, you know, knew that I wanted to do at some point, but it happened a lot sooner than I expected. Yeah. Did you have, um, did you have any entrepreneurs in the family that you saw as you were growing up? up like parents, siblings, uncles, aunts, anybody like that? Yeah, I mean, I had a few, but mostly it was like most of the people, they had their jobs and then they kind of just had their side hustles as well. And so, you know, seeing that you could do both and I encourage people to, you know, keep your job until you're financially set to kind of go into full-time entrepreneurship. I'm not a proponent of go quit your job and you haven't made the proper preparation. Like, no, don't do that. Work (laughs) as long as you can. And as long as it makes sense, especially if you know, you're trying, you have brick and mortar or something that's going to take, you know, like a little bit more long-term bills. But my family, I would say it was more so, um, side hustles. And then my dad had a business venture here and there, but yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like, um, you're working and then you had some frustration at work because you weren't getting to the right place and then decided to launch this. Did you go, so you, you already were running it as a side hustle or did you start from scratch right then when you were like, okay, I'm unhappy with work and I need to do something else. How, how did you go about that? Right. So I would kind of say I was running it as a side hustle. It really was not okay. up and running. And so kind of when I decided I was going to do it, I kind of had an idea of things I wanted to do. And so I, when I put my notice in, I kind of had just clients appear, right? So I guess that's how you know things are aligned. And so one of my clients was around helping do some dissertation edits and works. And then I had a like nonprofit client to do some coaching. And so those were kind of like my first two, but they were enough to kind of get through those first initial months. And yeah. Right. Being probably a year or so in, I'm going to be honest, like I burnt my whole business model down in March and kind of used from like May to right now to kind of relaunch and rebuild because after doing it a year, you get really clear on kind of what you enjoy doing, what mm-hmm. you don't necessarily want to do because you can, or like, let's just pivot because this isn't working or the messaging isn't clear. And so for me, it was just now I'm probably in a completely different space than I was a year ago, but I'm also very clear on the service services that I want to provide. But yeah. I had to build that all out from scratch. And I felt like without having some of the foundational pieces, it felt like I was constantly kind of in that reactive mode. Right. 
So it, it sounds like those first clients that you took were just basically whoever showed up, not right. necessarily it was the thing that you wanted to do. Is that an accurate description I, there? I'd say that was probably, that's probably super accurate. It's like, yeah, yeah. I make some money. I, I can do this. <laughs> um, but yeah. now I think I'm a, a lot more clear and I have clarity around what I want to do. So, you know, I've turned some things down. Like, you know, with me having a background in philanthropy, a lot of people assume that I write grants. And I'm like, no, I don't write grants for organizations because I teach, you know, organizations how to build out a fundraising strategy or have a development plan so that it's more sustainable and long-term right. versus paying a grant writer. And people are like, aren't you leaving money on the table? Yeah, but just because I can do it, that's not what I'm passionate about. And that's not, right. you know, the intention that I need to be doing in my work. So, you know, yeah. I, I can recommend you a grant writer, but that's not what I do. <laughs> right, right. So when you were starting up um, and you're having to just basically scrape together everything, uh, did that make you nervous or was there anything else that was making you nervous about starting this and, and launching it yourself? Yeah, I was super nervous. Like, I'll for, I never forget, like, the when I, you know, my last day at my job was, like, on a Friday. And so that Monday, I was literally, like, sitting there, like, what the hell did I just do? Like, <laughs> I, like I can't, like, it was almost surreal. And so, you know, and I'm not even going to lie, like, entrepreneurship is hard. Sometimes you have your really peak seasons. And sometimes right. you have some, it's some downtimes, and you're just kind of like, how do I make this work? So I think that's why having, you know, some savings, being very clear, having some things that bring in residual income are important. But it was just really, like... Yeah, this is scary. I've ne and it's still scary. Like I've never done this before, and you know I'm kind of one of the first people in my family that's doing it on this scale. So it's like sometimes you're building the boat as you're going along, <laughs> and you don't necessarily have you know this blue. You have the blueprint, which you're like oh, it may work, it may not. But I think that's when right. it's important to have like you know kind of like your entrepreneurial community around you or people that understand what you're going through, like so that when you're ready to you feel like giving up or like I'm going back to work, you kind of reminded of the why and the purpose behind why you started your business. And that's why I think that you have to have a purpose in your business and not just to make money, because if it's just to make money, you're what's, what's meaningful behind that. Right. Right. Um, I've not really asked this question of most guests, but I, I think it's interesting with you. Did you uh, get any kind of pushback from family when you did this? Because it's like, Shanika, you've got this PhD, you had this good job and you quit. Like, what is happening? Because that was running through your mind of like, oh my God, what did I just do the Monday after the last day of work? Did you feel any of that from family and them asking like, are you sure about this? And how did you deal with that if you did? Right. So my family was super supportive. Before I even decided I was going to take this step, we had that conversation. So for me, okay. like I've figured out like March 2022 that I was going to stop job searching and that if I didn't have a job by like the end of June, I was going to quit my job. And so when I decided that I had a conversation with my family and my mom, I'm really close to my mom and my sisters. And my mom was like, you know, you can do anything you put your mind to. Like you heard what your mentor said. The easy thing about all of this is you can always go back and get another job. Like you have a talent, you have talent, but I think that you trust in yourself. This is something you need to do for yourself to follow your dreams. My sisters were like, oh yeah, you'll be fine. And you know, even when there's been times where like, I'm like, I don't know how I'm gonna make it. And my mom's like, you have people, you have resources, use your support. And so, you know, tapping into them and having them like believe in my vision, even when sometimes I didn't necessarily believe in myself has mm -hmm. been um, priceless because 
because, you know, like my mom, she doesn't like allow me to sit on my pot, as we call it. She's like, okay, you can have your moment, but you got to get up. Like you can't stay there. And so I think right. having that, that those people behind you from having that family support, it makes it a lot easier but I mean no they were they were on board with it you know and even today like I tell people I'm really fortunate because I feel like I'm living the dream like it really feels like I'm living a dream and so because every day I get to wake up and do the work that I love to do and help people so yeah, yeah I was fortunate that I have supportive people around me that believe in my vision yeah I, I love that philosophy because it's funny I had that same philosophy when I quit my job for my first company um, of the belief of like, well, look, if this doesn't work, somebody's going to hire me and I'm probably going to be a better employee after it because I've learned so much in right. between now and there. And, and I think a lot of people have this fear that, oh, who's going to hire, you know, there are no jobs or whatever. And there are jobs and you just got to, you know, search around and find the right thing that's a fit for you. And so if you decide to do this and something doesn't work out, like, People get laid off. People get fired. They find right. new jobs. It's not like they're unemployed for the rest of their lives. Like yeah. that's a, that's a thing. So I love that philosophy that you've got there and, and kind of that view that you had. Um, okay. Let's shift gears just a little bit. Okay. Um, I want to talk about uh, the stress of owning a business and, and kind of for a while you were kind of doing a full-time thing, either school or whatever, and doing a side hustle. Like how do you think about the stress and manage the stress of doing those things at the same time for yourself? Well, I think part of it is having boundaries and even boundaries with yourself because being an entrepreneur, like sometimes I'll like work all the time and you don't cut it off. So I have to be very intentional, like, okay, I'm going to probably start my work day around 10, but I'm also no, I'm a seven to 12 worker. Like, so I need to make sure that I take time to eat or, you know, I take time with my family or because, or they'll ask me like, are you resting? Like, when are you resting? Cause you seem like you're doing a lot. So I think it's just knowing when you tend to overdo it and recognizing that you've got to kind of set boundaries or you're going to burn out. Um, and what, for the, what that looks like is, you know, saying no. So one of the things I had to get, I, I would overcommit and it was kind of like overcommitting because I felt obligated, not necessarily because it was something I wanted to do. So now the things that I take on, it has to align again with purpose. Is it mm. aligning with the b bigger picture for my business, my personal and professional goals, or am I just doing this because I want to be busy for the sake of being busy? So it's some getting the courage to say no when it doesn't make sense for you or your business is number one. Um, I think number two is, time blocks. Um, if you are working full time, it's really easy to like, oh, I'm tired. I can't work on this. But if you don't make the time for your business, nobody else will. And I think it's also making that investment in your business. So if you know that you're not if you're working full time, you don't really have time or you don't know how to move forward with your business, like investing in a coach, investing in a course, making that investment in yourself, because if you don't take the time to invest in yourself, who will? So I think it's just setting those boundaries, also having emotional intelligence and awareness of kind of what happens when I overextend myself, right? Um, I'm yeah. usually short. My family feels it. I don't show up for them. So it's like doing that constant inner work of how am I showing up? And if I'm mm. not showing up in the way that I need to show up, we've got to pivot, reset, and make some changes. And that may be, you know, canceling some appointments. Like one of the things I just did, I just came back from going to this thing called getaway houses. And it's like a little tiny cabin up in the woods just to kind of reset, get some things done. Or, you know, I like water. So I go to, you know, the lake or the beach. 
Um, so just take that time to reset and know your triggers um, to when you need to kind of look within and pause, because that's going to be yeah. most important. When you, uh, I find this interesting, this getaway house, uh, how long of a time do you go away for and how often are you doing that? So honestly, this was the first time I did it. And so we just uh -huh. went, me and one of my clients went and did kind of like a strategic retreat. Um, so we did okay. it for a day. I mean, the place okay. where we went is about 45 minutes from where I live. Um, but after going and just having, being able to be in the woods with nature and all this quietness, like, I think it's something I'm probably going to start doing quarterly because sometimes I think you just need to check out to plan because running your own business and especially if you're a solopreneur, you may not be in the space where you're making enough money to hire an assistant or, you know, hire some extra help so you're doing everything and so sometimes that can get overwhelming to right. a point where like you're really stressed out so sometimes you got to just check out and like what's the priority for right now and so for me it was i'm gonna go away and i'm gonna go away from not having we're not gonna have internet i'm gonna take some paper <laughs> and we're just gonna plan out what the end of the rest of the year looks like and it was so beneficial and now i have a clear vision on what i need to do so i think it's just blocking that time and holding yourself accountable to make sure that you make the time to plan and strategize in your business, because if you don't have those foundational pieces, your house is going to collapse. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, let's uh, kind of ar around these same lines of kind of health and wellness and stuff. Um, how do you account for things like sleep and wellness as you're building this business? I mean, this is, you kind of mentioned it. It's really easy for us entrepreneurs to let work fill 24 hours of the day and not right. do anything other than work. So how do you fit that into the schedule and make sure that you're taking care of you. Yeah. So for me, I am a napper. Like, and that's one of the things I love most about working for myself is if I get overwhelmed in the middle of the day, I'm going to go lay down and take a nap. And, love it. And love what it. a nap does for me is a, it's an instant reset. Like, I, I, I feel better. I'm in a different headspace. Like I probably had a snack. So I just take a nap and I think sleep is important. Um, So I try to get, you know, I know I can function off of six hours, but that's not healthy. So I would prefer at least seven. Um, But I know, you know, if I spend all night up on a project, like I'm probably going to sleep in the next day and that's okay. So I think it's just again, making time and knowing yourself, because I know if I get in a good group, I might be up to two o'clock in the morning and my clock goes off at six. Like, you know what? I'm going to just cut it off. And if I get up at nine, that's fine as long as I don't have meetings. But I think blocking the time. Um, and then if you, you know, if you have family or a husband, I'm single, I have a dog, so she's pretty you know, self-sufficient. But if you got kids, like cutting things off on the weekend and like, I try to, you know, make sure that I always have dinner with my family if they call um, and just being aware of, of when I'm doing too much, because I can usually feel it. I usually get a sinus infection. Um, so I slow down just to make sure I'm taking care of myself and recognizing that if you run yourself to your own E, you can't refuel from an empty cup. So you got to take time mm -hmm. to re-energize, whether that's resting, making sure you're eating right, getting your exercise in. So I like to get up in the mornings and take a walk. And that's kind of just my time to get my thoughts together. But I feel better. My day usually runs a lot smoother on the days that I do that. I think, uh, Shanika, you, I think you've just identified the biggest uh, benefit of being an entrepreneur is being able to take naps whenever you right. want. Uh, right. right there, right? Like you work for somebody, you can't take naps in the middle no, of the day. No. There you go. So the, that's number one reason for being an entrepreneur. Naps whenever you want. Right. From I the napping it. queen. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, I might be taking a nap after this um, right. <laughs> because I didn't really even think about that. Like nobody's here to tell me no. So I'm just going to take a nap. Support for this podcast comes from Hiscox, committed to helping small businesses protect their dreams since 1901. Quotes and information on customized insurance for specific risks are available at Hiscox.com. Hiscox, the business insurance experts. Okay, let's switch gears a little bit uh, and talk about like all the things that um, you have to kind of manage to run a business. Is there technology or apps or systems that you've implemented that you'd recommend to others to be able to like run their businesses more effectively yes. or easily? Yeah. So one of the things I recommend to business owners, especially if you provide a service, is kind of implementing your own system or process. So like, what's your signature methodology? So like for me, my signature methodology that I use with my clients and that what I apply to my business is the I A to the third E methodology, which is where you kind of identify your strategic priorities, where you're feeling stuck, where you're having challenges, you gain awareness of where change needs to occur. Um, You align that in that passion and purpose, and then you adapt using adaptive leadership, which is um, made up of cultural competency, ability to manage knowledge, critical, um, creating synergy and adaptive vision, and then you execute those things. So taking, having, breaking it down in actionable steps that are attainable. But, um, so that's kind of how I do it. Um, But I, you know, encourage people to kind of really think through that. One of the things that I've also used recently that has been a game changer is ChatGPT. And I know a lot of people are against AI, but kind of it's with anything else if you use it responsibly. And I don't necessarily use it to like, do things for me. What I use it for is to organize my own thoughts. And so, okay. you know, doing data dumps. And one of the things that I found to be most helpful at ChatGPT is first, first of all, it's a language system. So you, the more you interact, the more you feed it information, the more you are specific in your prompts, the better information you're going to generate out. So if you find yourself, you know, not being able to hire an assistant, like you can use ChatGPT to help you um, generate social media content, to help you create templates for your business. Like, emails help you automate systems if you have a chat bot you can you know use it to interact like that so that has been a game changer for me because it helps me work a lot more efficiently and um effectively I am also a big proponent of list, um, whether it's virtual or I'm old school. I like notebooks. So I keep a to-do list. I have kind of like my master to-do list. I have my priority to-do list and I have my the things that need to happen today. <laughs> to-do list. Um so, you know, physical planners, some other tools that I think have been really helpful is like, you know, email marketing. So I use ConvertKit um, to manage my email list to, you know, automate and syst- automate and send out automated emails, um, create sequences so that you can um, have segments set up to automatically communicate with your email list. And then that kind of takes you off of social media, because, again, if social media went down tomorrow, you don't own that data. Um, I think right. social media tools would be scheduling apps, planning out your content. I've used Buffer in the past. Um, I really enjoy lately. I use CapCut to do some edits. I do WeTransfer to transfer large files. Um, Let's see what other, those are kind of a few of the good ones. And then I use Dubsado as my CRM system and it has a lot of functionality um, within it. And then I think Calendly and Canva or yeah. tools I use quite frequently. Yeah. So I got to ask you about the list since you're old school with the paper lists. Yes. Um, 
do you do them every day? Like to figure out what do I need to do today? Yes. Like, is this a daily, is this a <laughs> daily is. thing? First thing in the morning or? First thing in the morning. And my, my preference is I have a day design planner. So I have like three planners, but my day design is my daily planner. And what I uh-huh. love about this planner is how the pages are laid out is that it has kind of like your eight to eight schedule. So you can schedule out your day. Then it has your top three things that need to happen today. And then it has kind of like your to-do list for the day. And then it has right. a side section with notes that that would kind of be the stuff that I know I'm not getting to today, but it needs to happen within like, you know, a week or so those go over there. And then yeah. it has a gratitude so that you can you know say what you're thankful for it has a great inspirational quote and then it just has a little section for tonight so I use that to kind of manage my day because I if I don't write it down I'm going to forget and sometimes you know you have good intentions to go back and type it into an app or put it in a note but I like to just jot things down because if I don't write it down I'm going to forget um but I like the day designer planner because it has the capabilities to break it out in different lists. So, you know, you know, like, like I knew today I had to submit something. I needed to um, get an email out and let's see what else was on that list. I'm working on a grant proposal from one of my clients. So those are three things I have to have today. If nothing else on that list gets done, I've got to do those three things. So, and then I think action planning notebooks are also very helpful in that because you can just kind of do the running tool and mark it off. Yeah. Um, Okay. Uh, that is a great set. You, you've got a, a, a clear system set up there. I love that. Um, okay. Um, one last kind of piece of advice from you. And then I want to ask you one more question about sure. kind of the work that you do. But if you had somebody that's thinking about taking their leap and starting a side hustle or taking their side hustle and making a full-time business like you did, what would you tell them? There is no guidebook to entrepreneurship. And so... You have to give yourself grace in the process and recognize that there is no guidebook to it. And so sometimes you don't know what you don't know until you get into it, but that shouldn't stop you from trying because you got to try things to see what's going to work. And I think in entrepreneurship, failure gets such a bad rap, but it's like, if you're not failing, are you trying hard enough? Because one of my biggest epiphanies came from a failure in my business where I had this great product that I spent a lot of time with. I thought it was going to be a sellout and it flopped and nobody bought it. But I realized my messaging wasn't clear. So I think, you know, uh, you'll hear a lot of people say you need to niche down. I think you just need to be very clear about who you serve, how you serve them and what makes them different. So that when you come into your market, you really understand what your competitive advantage is and how you stand out from everybody else. Like you can be doing the same thing someone else is doing, Mm -hmm. but the world still needs your talent. So don't, you know, have that tunnel vision when it comes to entrepreneurship and don't compare yourself to everyone else's journey because it's like an iceberg. You don't know what they've went through to get there. So just kind of focus on you, what's in front of you, what you need to do for your business and then quiet the noise and you'd be surprised how much you're able to get accomplished when you're not in that constant comparison mode or competing with other people because you are the competition. Right. right. Yeah. That, that is great advice. Um, okay. Here's, here's my last question for okay. you. Um, you've done a lot of stuff on leadership, studied leadership. What's like that one thing that our listeners could do to become better leaders? Just one thing like the, the worst thing that you see in like, Oh man, if people would just fix this. Be the leader you wish you had. Be the leader that you wish you had. And lead by the golden rule. If you do unto others as you do unto yourself, then yeah. And the only thing I would add to that is that leadership is not about you. 
as an individual. Leadership is about the people that follow. So people have to be willing to buy into the vision of what it is that you're selling in order to get behind you. So leadership is about your followers. And if you always keep that in front of you and lead how you want to be led, everything works out. But, you know, we never do unto others as we would do unto ourselves. So that's why the world is such a crazy place. But I think if you lead how you want some, or be the leader that you wish you had at different parts of your career or in your business, and then you'll start to show up for other people in that same way. Yeah, that is super insightful. Uh, I've always (laughs) done that as well. I've seen leaders and and had people above me and, and seen the things that I like and they don't, I don't like that they do. And I try to make sure I do the things that I like and not do the things that I didn't like. <laughs> right. Um, because yeah, there, there's, there's definitely a lot of bosses out there and, uh, and they're not always great. Uh, it's the difference the time, between so. leadership and management, just because yeah. you, like, management's about yeah, authority. You're right. Leadership's about influence. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. And, and your other part of it too is correct. You can't be a leader without any followers. So right. it's a, it's about the followers. <laughs> it's not about you. Um, Janika, this was fantastic. Um, this was a great conversation. I loved it. Where can our listeners find and connect with you online? So they can find, you can find me online. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and I think TikTok at Shanika, at Dr. Shanika McKeever. Um, or you can find me on my website at www.themckeevergroup.com. And we just redid our beautiful website. So really excited about that. So, so go visit it. That's great. Yes, go visit it. Send us a message. Follow us. I'm always dropping different gems and tips. And send me a message. I, I respond back very responsive and also super willing to help. So, Awesome. Thanks again for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast powered by Hiscox. To learn more about how Hiscox can help protect your small business, through intelligent insurance solutions, visit hiscox.com. That's H-I-S-C-O-X.com. And if you have a story you want to hear on this podcast, please visit hiscox.com slash share your story. I'm your host, Sanjay Parikh. You can find out more about me at my website, sanjayparikh.com.